Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Save big To do an episode with one of my best friends, one of my closest friends, uh. my feature act and fellow comedian, Hunter the Baby Bear Hill. Hey, he's here. I'm baby. You are baby. Uh, first of all, I'm gonna kick it off by saying Nia Verdalos just wrote, May I borrow that puffy jacket? Because I my guess, purple one, I guess so. I only have one puffy jacket, you can't have it. Sorry, Nia. Sorry. Buying your own. It's uh, weirdly thin. It is. For looking so puffy. Yeah, yeah, And I think it's slimming. Like, I feel skinnier in the puffy jacket. I'm telling you, that is half the battle. Really? Just the way you feel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel so confident in it. Uh, and it was an insurance buy. Insurance money bought that after our mudslide. We got that after, jacket. You're like, after we lost everything in a fire. Yeah. In a mudslide fire. Free. Yeah. So it was just a mudslide. Yeah. The mudslide would have put out the fire. Right. Hunter tours with me and you. I hate when people say, in your own right. Like, that makes it sound like, and fuck you. But I was like, and you <laughs> tour in your own right, but you do. And you're going out there and you're playing clubs and you're playing small theaters and you're getting it done. I'm grinding. You are grinding. And I am here to tell you there are not a lot of good comics out there in general. There are even fewer people that are like openers. And you're like, oh. But I've believed in Hunter's comedy since day one. I think he's very funny. And, and you do too, which is why he's here. I, I get very uncomfortable hearing nice things about me. Yeah, you got a weird upbringing like that. Yeah. I can't get enough. I'm tortured. Uh, no, I, I'm so lucky. Uh, I started off, you and I used to do shows together in L.A., and I said one tag about bedazzled fingernails, and that's what gave me the confidence to ask to do guest sets for you. You're like, I gave you a way to make your comedy better, and then I was like, you know what? I could also help her out. <laughs> no, 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 no. You Let just me. complimented one of my tags. Oh. And then I was like, oh, she thought one thing I said was funny. Oh. I will ask for an opportunity now. Yeah. I yeah. think a lot of guys do that, but in a bad way. Like, oh, oh yeah. she looked at me, therefore, I'll never leave her alone. I've never understood, though. Yeah, I'm just not that kind of guy. You're not. And that's also why I love Hunter. Like, your comedy is evolved. To say it's sensitive, it's not like you're crying on stage, but you're, like, in touch with your emotions. You're in touch with your wife's emotions. He's not like, so I'm fucking this chick, and I'm thinking she's pretty gross, bong rip. Like, you're... 
an evolved man, but a, like a manly point of view. What kind of show would that be if that was your opener? Literally if, every if, male comic. <laughs> so I'm dating this chick. I, I think that's like an open mic mentality. I, I, I think people evolve away from that pretty quick. Okay, cover your bases. People <laughs> have written in questions. We have a lot of them, so we're going to get to them in no particular order. Um, at Sarah Jean Norman, I have hoped and waited so long for this. Eliza, how did Hunter Hunter come to be on sorry on tour with you? Also, do Ashton and Smokey Husky hang out when you two are on tour? Ashton is Hunter's wife, new wife. New wife. He came to be on tour with me. I don't. I feel like you remember everything. I do. You're the keeper of our history, and I'm like, when did what what day is it? I started out uh, asking to do guest sets, which are like unpaid five minute sets at comedy clubs. You go up after the host, between the feature act, and it's it's usually just for like local comics. And I would get myself to San Francisco or Sacramento and just like hang out. And then I. I think I got invited to host once, and then intermittently you would ask me to feature. Mm, but yes. then we became really close, and I, I think I'm easy to travel with, and that's, we're just good friends. That's a big thing, too. It's like you can be a funny comic, but like if, no, if someone doesn't want to hang out with you, it's like there are plenty of funny comics out there, and there's comics that I've worked with, but like can I see myself like vulnerable at 3 a.m. in a hotel with them? That's not a <laughs> right. Or, you know, like who's not going to annoy you? Yeah. I try to not smell horrible all the time, but I'm a, I'm a large mammal. And that's it. And then we started touring, and then also it's just it's nice for me. I have, like, a large dude with me, so I feel, like, a little bit safer. Yeah, I'm pretty sure before I was funny enough to open for you, I was uh, Big enough. intimidating <laughs> enough to look like maybe security. And do Ashton and Smokey Husky hang out? No. No. But uh, Hunter and Smokey Husky have hung out. Yeah, we try to. I've never hung out with Ashton, but that doesn't mean anything because I don't hang out with anyone. I feel like we're also very rarely home mm-hmm. to where when we are, it's like, all right, I'll, I'll see you later. Also, Ashton and Hunter are just young enough that they're still at someone's wedding every weekend. It's obnoxious. All of our, all of our money is being spent. I, I think I'm going to net like 20, 20K more a year now that my friends have stopped finding love. <laughs> Haley Meaden. Hunter, what is the most important thing that Eliza has taught? Oh, this is sweet. What is the most important thing that Eliza has taught you throughout your travels together and vice versa? Not necessarily even comedy related. P.S. Saw you both in Portland, Maine, and I absolutely loved the show and meeting you afterwards. We loved Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine was fire, and there was no air conditioning in that theater, but people brought their fans and looked classy. It was, I've never used a towel. I was like Bernie Mac style, dripping buckets. <laughs> and I had to, anyways, go on, Grasshopper. Um, don't worry, the rest of the interview is not, like, how great am I? No, I, I, there's a lot of things that you learn. Um, I, I think the big takeaway is uh, that it's never, like, the work is never really over. Uh, I think every time Eliza or you pass a finish line, it's not like, okay, there I did it. You already see three or four more. So, like, every time I think about being tired, I think about what you're juggling and where I hope to be someday. Oh. And then I tell myself to buckle up. Buckle up. Strap in. Strap on. Get back to work. Oh, I think you're a very hard worker. I think you th- act like you're lazier than you are. I don't. Th- I think you're a very hard worker. My new Vivance prescription helps. <laughs> <laughs> really helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
it happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Eliza. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby, I'm back to work, I'm at meetings, I'm on tour, I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Uh, Eric... Erica Lynn Smith. Hey, Hunter. On Eliza's recent episode, I don't know if you know this, she talked about how her stepdad called you a big boy. Remember this? Oh, when we were in Florida. Yeah. yeah. You're a big boy. You're a big boy. You probably got your brands picked out, right? Big boy. You, you, you know where you can shop. A big boy. Yeah. I was curious how you feel about people commenting on your size slash appearance and if there's a difference between a stranger, and she wrote in parentheses, someone not close to you in case you don't know what a stranger is, and a familiar friend making those comments. Love seeing you both in Boston last year. Go Sox. 
Boston's maybe uh, the, my favorite city that we've performed in domestically. Well, about 12 people asked that question, so uh, I'll cross sorry that off guys. now. Boston or Seattle. Oh, there's so many good ones. So many. Very uh, few bad ones. Yeah, that's true. All of them are so great. Uh, I but don't, we do have a question from a bad one. Okay. <laughs> I, I, don't get, uh, I don't get offended. I think my, my dad growing up w- always just had, like, an opinion or something to say about my weight to where, like, other people saying it. I, I think it's always coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. There was nothing malicious about the way he was saying big boy. I, I think yeah. he was just like, yeah, you're a big guy. You're, he did say big boy instead of big guy. multiple times yeah. within, like, a five-minute frame. Yeah. <laughs> like I was looking for Easter eggs and <laughs> had a short sleeve button-down shirt on or something. <laughs> you're a big boy. <laughs> you're a big boy. I think also when men are talking to each other, it's different than, like, a drunk girl saying it at a bar. Like, it's man having, like, he's assessing what you are versus trying to put you down. Yeah, it's not like a passive insult, like, oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't have worn that, but there you go. It's nothing like (laughs) that. But you're here. You know, it's, uh, yeah, he was just interested. And and he it was a good question. Like, I do have shops that I'll shop at. Mm Mm-hmm. I also think a big part of being a comedian is knowing exactly what you are. Like, however you look, like, if you don't know that, then you're a shitty comic. Like, if you're not aware of how you look or come off to people, like, that's part of your arsenal. Like, if you think, you're like, what do you mean I'm big? Like, that's weird. Yeah, and also, like, if I wasn't so comfortable with where I am as an individual, somebody saying like that probably would have triggered me a lot more. Mm -hmm. But, like, being like, yeah, this is what I look like. It's whatever. Right. You're also really tall. Yeah, it would, it would, I'm six foot four and I weigh 295 pounds now. So it would be weird. Which is as much as a full grown bear. A full grown bear. (laughs) Yeah. Turns out. Not a grizzly bear. No, we, we've looked this up many times. Eliza and I, (laughs) we were were somewhere (laughs) and Mm -hmm. she was like, who do you think weighs more, you or a baby bear? (laughs) And I was like. I don't know. And, and we, we don't know. We, we Googled it, and <laughs> we found out that uh, a baby black bear weighs, like, 35 pounds. It's like nothing. And without blinking, Eliza just w- let out a loud, like, ha, you weigh more than a baby bear. <laughs> and I was like, we all weigh more than a baby. Multiple Everyone baby weighs bears. more than 35 pounds. And, like, three baby bears. I am so many bears. But then we've had Uber drivers who uh, will Tell fight them. me. Tell we, her about it. We had an Uber driver. Gigantic black lady. She was rad and she was playing the best music and she was just like oh oh baby bear way more for sure because they're fur she you didn't skip take a into beat account. by the way we get in the car and we're like hey because we ask all the drivers and uh she was so endearing and we were just like hey who do you think was more my friend here or baby bear she was, didn't even hesitate she's like baby bear for sure and like you said because you got to take into account the fur it's just so dense like she was ready to go <laughs> And, and then, <laughs> and then, uh, and then she said, "I also know, uh, you, you know, I'm looking at your friend here. He he probably weighs like 350, 360 pounds." And I was like, "I don't weigh that." I go, He's "How like, do you know that?" <laughs> I go, "How do you know how much he weighs?" And she goes, "She she goes, I know how much he weighs because I know how much I weigh." And I was like, "Oh no!" She's so comfortable with it, but also. <laughs> so for the rest of that car ride, I weighed exactly as much as she did. She did not weigh 350 pounds, although it was like an Escalade. Like she yeah. had a big car. Yeah. We felt safe. We did feel safe. Susie, 4166. Hi, guys. Big fan. Can't wait to see you again in November. Oh, Hunter's not on that date. Uh, question. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm assuming she means um, Thanksgiving. Vegas? Yeah. Question. As comedians, are there jokes and bits you love and think are going to be big and just don't hit with an audience and vice versa? Are there bits you're iffy about and you're surprised they get big hits and connect more with the audience? 
similar, since you guys travel on the country world, what cultural differences do you see in audience? I've seen your shows in Boston, Connecticut, New Orleans. I'm surprised to see the audience react differently to different bits. You can answer any part of that you like, Baby Bear. Um, I have... Starting out, a lot of my friends are musicians, so I had this mentality of like, oh, I'll just sit in my house and write a joke and people will know to laugh, just Mm -hmm. like, you know, to clap at the end of a song. And I learned very quickly that sometimes where I think the joke is, the audience will laugh before I get there or they laugh somewhere else. Um, But I I don't know. I, I think there's not a whole lot of cultural difference in our country. I also don't think either of our material kind Mm -hmm. of like is like too specific to where a market would feel alienated or something like that. Yeah, you're not up there like, and here's why I hate the president. If you're coming to my show, for the most part, you're an open-minded, perhaps moderate to liberal person, you know, different parts of the country. But, you know, you're also mindful of, okay, maybe I don't bring up the Chinese restaurant stuff in Mississippi. They probably don't have a ton of those. You know, like, not out of fear, but out of relatability. But for the most part, our acts pretty much stay the same. And I'm also very spoiled, like, getting to open for you like we're only doing like these sold out theater shows we're not doing clubs where like everyone coming is deliberately buying a ticket to see you right and those are that's an intelligent audience there they they know what they're signing up for if i'm at like a club by myself for a weekend you know friday late shows probably drunk and doesn't want to hear a heartfelt storytelling as much as they just want to hear sex jokes and stuff like that. And you go to Canada and they're like, we will sit quietly and listen to everything. Thank you so much for being here. That you have to say. <laughs> they make it so easy to go work there. Uh, we don't make it easy. Like, I just had to get a work permit for a movie mm-hmm. and I did not enjoy waiting. They but, did not make it easy. But they have to like hire a lawyer. It's like a $10,000 process for to Canadian come, work to in come America. here yeah, to work. But not to work just a gig. You mean like to live here? I think I just know. to work here. Really? Like there's been yeah. people that like couldn't do Conan until they had. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah, that's brutal. I mean, that's you should get a waiver for that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's it's difficult. We're very lucky. Hi there, Hunter. Mom, Lessie says, congrats on marrying your Ashton. You met my son named Ashton in Napa. If you could perform anywhere, where would it be and why? Any. Uh... I have no idea. Don't say the moon because it's taken. Yeah, I don't. It's a different. That's like favorite movie. Like, like Madison Square Garden, I guess, is like the. Like what's the biggest? The big one. Yeah, I take any yeah. giant arena. I don't. I, <laughs> I a do. theater in. I don't know. What's the, the garden? The TD Garden in Boston. Okay. I think would be more fun than the Madison Square Garden. Just in whatever. Some, some venues mean more to other people. You know, like I was deciding between Madison, not Madison, uh, Radio City and Beacon, the Beacon, and yeah. I was asking about other comics, and some comics were like, "Oh, the Beacon's got so much history," and I'm like, literally never thought about it till today. I'll take whoever <laughs> offers the better deal. Yeah, obviously. Uh, speaking of crowds, which I should have, this was the question I was looking for before. The Jen Robbins says, is it really annoying when crowds won't shut the hell up when you're on stage? I was at the Oklahoma City show earlier this year, and people were so loud I could barely hear you, and I was furious for you. Hunter and I both remember that show as being hot fire. I I have to side with the person asking the question here. Did I just enjoy it? Well, because they shut the bar down during your performance, mm-hmm. but for that show, they were still running the bar when I was up there. Ugh. So, and I mean, that venue was great. Everyone working that show was phenomenal. They were so on top of it. And, you know, it was everyone that was sitting watching the set, I think was having a great time, and I was... yeah. 
looking out and seeing people. But there's there's times where it's tricky and sometimes I get sometimes just because of the nature of my material, it feels uh a little dismissive to get talked over. But oh, because yeah, you've got like some, you know, you got a, some emotional bits that require a beat for setup. Like they require a little bit of silence. You're like, you know, the mudslide story, and anything yeah. about the wedding. You know, like there's a, a roller coaster ride it takes you on, and you're like, are you not here for some elegant joke telling? But if anything, like the the, the houses we're starting to do are just getting bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. and it's not like four thousand people are showing up on time and getting in their seats all at once, like. It's, by the way, we always say this. When the show doesn't start on time, it's you, <laughs> not us. Like, we're at the venue. It's everyone else like, all right, we'll just get a couple more beers in the lobby. The comics are there, you know. Yeah. I, think I mean, we're there. I don't know about other comics. It's, that's part of my job. That's, that's the exercise. If anything, I'm feeling, like, pushed to have material that demands attention away from the alcohol. And right. Like, it's my job to get their attention. So if I'm not, then that's on me. Taste cheers and beer. EKT19 says, were you a funny kid or did you have to develop the skill? How hard is it to get used to the rhythm of joke delivery? Interpret that as you will. <laughs> uh, I think I was an annoying kid. Uh, I loved attention. I was singing nonstop. My sisters would beg me to stop singing. Uh, <laughs> that Lion King soundtrack. <laughs> Hot fire. Hot fire. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I think it, it took me probably like four years to like find my cadence and not I think the 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 rookie move is like you emulate everyone you enjoyed as a kid Mm -hmm. like you go to an open mic you're gonna see like tons of burrs and tons of you know Mark Normand is somebody that people are emulating a lot right now but yeah I don't don't. Highflyer55 says hey Hunter you're super awesome congrats on the recent wedding my question is who was your favorite comedian growing up and who's currently your new favorite comedian I hate this question. Why? <laughs> I don't like it either, but yeah. I, th- I thought you might like it. Um, you don't. You don't have to say me, by the way. No, I don't no, think no. my husband says me. It's okay. My my favorite comedians are like people that I can watch. A, a lot of people I can watch, and like you can kind of see the formula, and you appreciate what they're doing, and and you're kind of like watching it unravel, but you know it's happening. And then there's comics I'll watch where I'll laugh for an hour and a half and then get really depressed that my brain won't work like that. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Martin Short is really quick. I love Billy Crystal. Mm. I love uh, Bo Burnham. He did like a lot of fun stuff where it's just like my brain won't work like that. Mm-hmm. And Baron Vaughn. Baron Vaughn is a very, very funny comedian. These are all people you guys can go check out. He is funny. Yeah. He is, uh, he's the son on Frankie and Grace, Grace and, and Frankie. Frankie. Yeah. yeah. He's a good guy. Jonathan Reyes says, Eliza and Hunter, may you share a pivotal moment in your career and what would be considered the worst piece of advice you've been given career-wise and in life? Thanks for making me want to cry pure, unadulterated man tears in Irvine. <laughs> you are most welcome. Uh, pivotal moment in your career. I, I know mine. I don't know if you have one off the top of your head. What's yours? Well, I think pivotal meaning like acmatic, like everything had le- – like that – Everything changed. I would say winning last comic standing just because I became a paid headliner in that moment and it set a course for the rest. Like I could have I've definitely eaten shit and died, but I got to skip a lot of the grinding uh, as like a feature or something like that. And then I think not so much a moment, but after uh, after confirmed kills, it was kind of like done and done. We're doing theaters now. But yeah. not a mo. It wasn't a moment as much as last comic was like an actual second. I, I it was very cool for me to watch uh, 
each Netflix special kind of like impact your career and see Thank that you. evolve. For me, for you, maybe. I think there's two moments. Okay. I think uh, Eliza had me. You had me open for you at the Venetian, mm-hmm. and it was the first time I had got a cool hotel room for doing Aww. a show. And I went with Ashton, and we got to our hotel room, and I just started bawling and was like, "I never want to get used to this. This is the coolest thing in the world." Oh, that's so cute. And then. Uh, you asking me to do like the entire Elder Millennial tour was Aww. like the yeah I guess it's the only time where yeah it's just been like oh this is like my job now this isn't like something I'm chasing and it's not like some fun hobby it's this very is real. like a really amazing opportunity that I have in front of me and this is what my calendar looks like right. I like how you're like, I don't want to get used to this. And I'm like, remember when we had Stacy call down because our rooms weren't big enough at that one <laughs> casino we did, like, recently? Uh, because they gypped us. Um, uh, worst piece of career advice, uh, people are horrible everywhere. People give you advice all the time. There's no, I would never uphold a bad piece of advice and be like, and remember that bad piece? I just yeah. don't listen to, even good advice I don't listen to. I get annoyed when people tell me what I need to be doing on social media. Um, oh, interesting. Or just, like, people, like, growing up. Uh, had lots of uncles just pull me aside at family reunions and be like, just maybe walk away from the comedy thing. It's not, not real realistic. You're like your dad paid me 20 bucks to say this to you. <laughs> for sure. But for you sure. showed him. You know what? A special moment for me. I have two moments because we're going to tell the JFL story. Although if you don't want to tell that story now that she's not your. No, I'll tell that. that. Okay. I forgot about that. Uh, a special moment for me. So Hunter lived through this mudslide that happened in Santa Barbara or more specifically. Yeah. Santa Barbara and Montecito. Montecito. And it became this, like, uh, one of the focal points of his set, like one of the bigger set pieces that he does. Is this really a very real story about getting airlifted out of there? I'm not going to do your bit. But it's an <laughs> emotional story, and anybody that really— Do my best man speech. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a moment for me. I'll... <laughs> People ask about the yogurt land thing, too. Okay, so mm-hmm. we'll talk about yogurt land. Um, but it's an emotional story, and if you really listen to it, you know, it's about— him almost dying and and the army coming and airlifting them out and losing everything, whatever. And it's a re- it was a really horrible event for me to uh, sort of pay attention to as it was happening because I wasn't there. But he lived through that. And you have, as a, as a person, you know, you married this amazing girl. And, of course, you know, you don't know if her parents are on board with you being a stand-up. Right. Any father would be reticent. Yeah. And we did a set in Santa Barbara. And it was your first time doing the mudslide material in front of not only the community that had lived through it, but the family of your now wife that also lived through it with you. I think hands down that's like my favorite set that I've ever had just because it was such a cathartic, Mm -hmm. amazing thing. Because also you're not laughing at it. If anything, you lived through it. This wasn't like a news thing that you saw and you're like, oh, earthquakes, who cares? Oh, yeah, but I was— terrified because like the in the culture we live in it's like who cares if you live through it like you're making a joke where people in the audience lost friends lost neighbors and you you i mean i was panicking i was shaking eliza like pulled me into a broom closet and was like you knocked that off (laughs) (laughs) because i know like because also the material doesn't get laughs and awes and like there's other reactions in there and you're not laughing at it you're laughing at something that's your setup but also i really live by this like if you lived through it that is your right 
If you live through a disease, if you're of a certain color, a certain religion, and you experienced oppression, something bad happened to you, and, like, you earned it. The only silver lining is that you are allowed to joke about it. I used to write jokes and, and you know, starting out with a bunch of people, like, I would write a Tinder joke. Mm-hmm. And then I would go to a show the next week and, like, my friend would have a joke that was identical to my Tinder joke. Which is what, like, I just started pushing myself to write jokes and tell stories that only I could do. Which, like, I think Yogurt Land was, like, the first joke that I told where it was like, no one else can tell this because it happened to me. Because it happened to you. Right. Are you serious? How okay. similar do Scott and I, Scott, you say something? Hello. I, well, fuck, man. I'm so bad at reading stuff we found out. One of you just sounds like like you cry a lot when you masturbate. Like one of you has like that timber. You can hear that in my voice? <laughs> I can hear it. <laughs> I thought that was secret. Back to the tears. Secret hand quiver. I like went through my head like what would it be okay to say? Okay, crying, masturbating, that's fine. But you did that show in Santa Barbara and you knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And it was emotional it, for me just because like it, you had something to prove, not only to your family, but to that audience and to yourself that yeah. you earned the right to tell those jokes. So I was very proud to watch you. And it's like, yeah, guess what, folks? Funny is funny. You need this. And people do want to laugh at experiences. And it was a real ballsy thing to do, and I was really proud of you. Well, thank you. Cack. Yeah, it was, it was a- <laughs> Fun fact, I met you the day before that show. Yeah, Sam. We were talking football. about that. You yeah. Didn't, you didn't remember. I was, you didn't remember. I did. No, you didn't. I did. Okay. Cack Palaskin, see. That's a shitty thing to say. I to remember someone. everything. You do remember everything. It's, it's my weird They're like, how'd you like, like- I came up with a teary face and some old tissues I was looking to throw away, and he was very nice. Oh, oh yeah. from enjoying it so much? No, <laughs> from qu- qu- crying and masturbating. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Cackle, I, well, you got to have a name like this. How am I supposed to? K.K.A. Palaninski. Polish. Are there any updates on the Yogurtland guy? So, for those of you that don't know, Hunter has a joke. Do you want to give them the abridged version? Uh, my friend Tyler and I used to live next to a yogurt land and a yogurt land guy followed him home and snuck into our apartment building and let himself into our apartment and then he got arrested. Any updates? Yeah. Tyler and I moved on with our lives. (laughs) (laughs) We don't, we're not married sharing an apartment (laughs) now. Ashton and I uh, have a a beautiful home and and Tyler gets married in two weeks and, uh, that guy probably shot up a school. So, uh, let's move on. Uh, the, so... I think Yogurtland sent us an email saying, like, they're going to start doing more Screen. thorough yeah, background stuff. It's one of those things where, like, you wouldn't think to do it. It's yogurt. Like, you're pumping out yogurt. Not even. It's self-serve. My like, favorite part was, like, when we actually did send the email before they, like, actually sent us, like, a, oh, shit, sorry. It was mm-hmm. like, we're sorry to hear about your negative experience. <laughs> a <laughs> like, robot scanned yeah. it, and then a person was like, oh, fuck, they could have been like, eaten. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite things at Hunter's wedding, his best man got up and basically, this is every comic's nightmare is someone telling your joke poorly, got up as the speech and did his yogurt land bit, but like obviously void of any punchlines or timing or humor. And I'm sorry, Tyler, it was really bad and told it to the whole <laughs> the crowd. The end was great. The end was great. I was just like watching. I'm like on Hunter's wedding day, his gift is that he gets to watch his best friend retell one of his funniest bits. But without any punchlines. I, I thought the end of his speech was great. He stole he your bit. so nervous. And then it showed. Yeah, he was so nervous. Dick to being a gifted musician. I'll, I'll write his Aww. best man speech. 
When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, "Mm, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, a few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. I do think there's something to be said for ordering something of quality and every once in a while getting a nice package in the mail with a product that you're going to own for a long time. Let me tell you about Bolin Branch's signature sheets because they're the perfect way to start upgrading your sleep, your room, the look of your room because they're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They are made with the finest 100% organic cotton. These sheets feel buttery soft yet super breathable and they're perfect for warmer summer months ahead. We have a house that we go to in the summer and I got all Bolin Branch sheets for the beds because we're having a lot of guests this year and I want them to feel like they're at a nice bed and breakfast that they didn't have to pay for. Bolin Branch sheets are free from toxins like synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde. I bet you didn't know that was in your sheets. And their signature sheets come in 14 versatile colors and they come in sizes from twin all the way up to California King. And Bolin Branch has a 30-night worry-free guarantee, which means you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them for any reason, you can send them right back with free returns on all U.S. orders. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowl and Branch. Go to bowlandbranch.com slash Eliza for 15% off your first sheet set, plus free shipping. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com slash Eliza for 15% off. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Annie's Wonderland says, are you excited for fall? So excited for the fall. I don't uh, I don't really know anything about 2020 yet, but I am just preemptively what's excited. The, what's there to know? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I hope it'll happen. Yeah, it's all going to happen. People have a lot of questions. Uh, Mary Rose Levis. Hey, Hunter. Hey, Eliza. So I recently got a third job. Jesus. And I feel like I'm burning myself out, but I need to get – I need these jobs to pay the bills. What do you do for yourself when you feel overwhelmed by life? Thanks. Love you all. You answered this. I always like to hear what other people do. And don't say bullshit like meditate. No one does that. Uh, I sometimes will get very, very anxious and I'll try to jump into a body of water and just kind of reset. Hunter got a pool. I, I have it's a not pool like a now. local reservoir. But like before I would, I don't know where you live, but if there's a lake or a river, or so, I don't know, like just, comp- or even like going to a, a wreck, recreational center and jumping in their pool that's something i do i don't know i sometimes i look at your instagram and you, ashton this is even before you're married will have put out like lovely cheese and crackers or like made it like cozy and i always think that's really sweet that she does that for you that's something uh i have never wanted but like 
I don't know. I, I think uh, part of, like, finding your person is, like, learning that you can feel loved in ways that you would never expect. <laughs> never. So, like, yeah. coming home from shows and, like, having a dinner out on the table or something like that is huge. Aww. Uh, just take a walk. If you're ever feeling anxious, just, like, take 10 minutes to just like, kind of, like, walk around your block. Just Just get out of your head a little bit. I am, like— Leave your phone at home. Yeah, leave your phone at home. That really does help. It's like create a habit of that. I'm like a Kobe beef cow. Like when it comes to my husband, he makes all my food. He kind of doesn't even want me in the kitchen. And so now I've got it to where I'll be like, do you think we have melon? He's like, yeah, I'll get it for you. What kind of, what do you want? (laughs) I'll be like, do you think it comes in cubes? (laughs) And that's just how he provides for me. We all each do stuff for other people. But like I, I don't make anything. I'm, I'm starting to cook dinners now. I don't have, I find no joy in that. I don't. I don't either. Okay. But it. it <laughs> but I gotta eat. But I think it does it for her, like helping cook. Yeah, just like showing the same way I feel loved when she does certain things. Mm-hmm. I think it. Oh, she okay. feels loved when I That's kind nice. of take things off her plate like that. I have intentions of doing things, but then I get home and I'm like, I gotta take this bra off. <laughs> Kylie does Dallas. Congratulations on the recent wedding. How did you know she was the one? Do you have any funny, notable dating stories? Uh, that's a loaded. That's a long one. I wasn't looking for a relationship at all, and like after our first or as soon as my friends met her, they were all like, "You're an idiot if you mess this up in any way." Um, I don't know that there's any like defining like I know moments. Um, I guess like living through the mudslide together and how Jesus, well yeah. we handled that, and just like. They almost died, you guys. It was like, (laughs) look it up and look at pictures, and that was outside their window. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a lot, and we didn't really have any time to consult on an idea or how we were going to attack that day. We did a great job, and we were a good team, and we didn't fight once or bicker. Mm. I I think that was huge. Perfectly. Peachy Page, have you gotten to ride the Hogwarts ride at Universal yet? Yeah, I have a whole joke about that ride. <laughs> uh, it's like, I've already ridden it a long time ago. Uh, so I have a, a joke about being too fat to ride on a roller coaster <laughs> with two or four clicks. And I guess in a lot of cities we go to, I took the Harry Potter tags on. So it's just a lot more meaty and less fat. Hunter loves, loves a theme parks. Oh, my God, so much. Like, he's the guy that goes to Universal City parks and goes to Disneyland. And, like, you love that. You yeah, love it. I did so much five shows at Comedy on State in, in Wisconsin last weekend, and I went to a water park, and I, yeah, I went down in inner tubes. I would go with you to a water park. Yeah? I, I, I would, think we would go together to theme parks if we were ever in a town long enough easier. to go to a theme park. But we're yeah. not doing comedy clubs anymore, so, like, right. when are we ever in a— For multiple. And I don't think we want to fly to Orlando a day early to, Dis- to go to a theme park. What theme park? Not SeaWorld because it is— Bad. No, but like Disneyland, Harry Potter. I would go and get a little shitty with you at Disneyland. Oh, let's do that. All right. I would hey. do that. Uh, Harry hey. Potter, I'm not, I like the movies fine on an airplane, but I don't really like think about Harry Potter. So for me, it would be, kind of be lost. My friends went to, at Disney World, they uh-huh. have like, you know, all the different sections of the world. Yes. And they had a drink Accurate per, representation, by the way. <laughs> they had a, a, a drink per country. Mm. was like their day. So what's that, like 10 countries? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are they, like four continents? I, I don't know. Helen Alba. I also, like, I know that it's like, oh, cool, a $12 beer. Yeah. Because it's quote-unquote German. Right. Skip Germany. 
Helen Alba says, not so much a question, but I'm sorry I caused a huge disruption by tripping over myself and spilling my entire Dubber margarita on a poor and suspecting stranger. Third row of your set in San Francisco, but you proceeded like a pro. Do you remember that? No, I got so excited when you started reading the beginning of the question because I thought it was a person confessing to uh, <gasps> shitting in their chair. Go in on San and Diego. tell that story because I don't remember the city, but this happened, folks. San Diego at the Balboa Theater, we had two shows, and at the first show... Eliza was doing this new joke about shitting your pants, and somebody actually— Do you remember the joke? I, I can't. Oh, but, man, I wish we knew that. But, but <laughs> I, I think it was how women don't—they're not honest with each other. Oh, it's about shitting yeah, yourself. Yeah. Right. Uh, Most important moments involve shitting yourself. Yeah. Yes, go on. And after the first show, the, the GM of the oh, theater came up and was like, would you mind not telling the joke about shitting your pants? As if that's what did it. Because someone actually shit their and And not like a small amount, but like this... A beautiful theater built in the 1920s had to, like, replace one of its chairs, like a full cushion because of— To their credit, uh, this happened while I was on stage, and I did not notice a stir because maybe it was far enough back, but security handled it. I guess this woman, like, shit—I got to imagine she was sick or so incapacitated. I'm not going to be like, my jokes are so funny. I'm sure she was laughing and just lost control of her butthole, <laughs> as you do. And she shit the seat. And then apparently I heard she, like, crawled out. I would crawl. Like, military style. Yeah. yeah she And sat in it for, like, a little bit. And I also don't think less of this person at all. Now that I'm getting older, I think shitting your pants is, like, I, I haven't done it. But, like, I'm, I'm there's been some close calls where I'm, like, you're not. I think I, I think I understand how people do this sometimes. You don't say getting older until you're like old, and I don't think this person was elderly. No, I think she just done. What are you saying now that you're thirty? What 30, thirty-one? Thirty-one. Yeah. You understand the perils. There's some times where I'm stuck in traffic, and I'm like, this could get bad. Yeah, butthole control. <laughs> Welcome back to butthole control. I'm your host, Rayo Moon Rayo Moonlight three sixty five. What's the coolest thing you've done, seen while on tour together? Have you ever caught each other in the act of doing something really embarrassing? I saw the show in Grand Rapids and laughed so hard, I almost shit myself. I didn't say that, especially when you made the more conservative folks in the crowd uncomfortable. Keep doing what you're doing. Can't wait to relive your jokes when the new special comes out. Okay, obviously the last part was for me. Was very <laughs> sweet. Uh, I think one of the coolest things we've done is we went to see Falling Water. Yeah. Uh, the Frank Lloyd Wright House in Pennsylvania. That in Australia. Oh, yeah, just the whole thing. Koala, yeah. Oh, yeah, koalas. Yeah. They were stinky. They were stinky and scratchy. We got, like, a special pass into this park, and And we we got to hold them. And we napped with kangaroos. We got to lay down with kangaroos, which is okay. It's not weird. Nope. Um, something done. Uh, we got to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame together. Yeah, that was... That was there. uh, Um... (laughs) Falling Water was super cool. Um... Embarrassing? I've definitely... Magic Mike in Vegas was fun. I've never... You were so pumped. You were more excited than me, and I was really pumped to see Magic Mike. I was so excited that Ashton was mad at me and embarrassed She was mad at me because I got, like, two, like, tiny lap dances, and she was like, who do I have to fuck (laughs) to get some goddamn attention? I'm a hot chick, too. Yeah. She was angry. I tried taking some... uh, Yeah, I took so many bathroom breaks. (laughs) Oh my God, that's like, so oh, funny. Mega... I'm trying to think of like, because we've traveled so much together. Um... You know, for me, it's not like exciting places. It's like restaurants. Yeah. Like, there's a restaurant in Charleston that like we go. absolutely love eating at. Yeah, it, just like little, it's not so much like these 
fancy things, but like little snacks that you can only get in certain places. Tell them about like the that. ordinary. That's where we went in Charleston. Yeah, the ordinary in Charleston is spectacular, and they make their own saltine crackers, and they marinate their oysters, and they make their own creme fraiche, and it's so tasty. It's so good. And we get crab. Yeah, I think you know we. Be, especially because I travel with someone, like, it's easier to, like, make a dinner reservation. Like, it's, you know, it's nice to eat out with someone, and we bring our tour manager, Stacy, and, like, our thing is get off stage, finish the meet and greet, and, like, have someone hold a late-night reservation so we can right. say that we ate the thing in the place, you know? When we were in Portland, Maine, like, this this restaurant stayed open a little late so that we could rush in there at the very end, yeah. and it was the tastiest food. Super tasty. Uh, we had that lobster that was very fresh oh, in Maine. You know, we are really big on we have to go do the thing that it's known for um, wherever we are, and that's important. And, and be- really hard because our shows are at night and everyone's like, oh, you got to try this place for dinner or yeah. you got to go do this. But- We're always ready to eat dinner at 3 o'clock when everything's closed. Yeah. Uh, coolest thing. So some of those. Um- cool. Okay. Boston, because we did four shows at the Wilbur, was the first time I've six. really been— I think it was six. Was it six? Yeah, I think so. Six. All right. I don't remember. It might have been four. Eight. Uh, <laughs> 36 sold out weeks. But that was the first time we got to like hang out in the city for the whole weekend again. Yeah. And because the crowds were so big, it was cool to experience Boston for the first time. Mm. And I think uh, I, I had friends from New York come stay on my hotel floor. Oh, and nice. we were walking around, and like twelve people stopped us just walking around Boston. We're like, "You were great last night." Aww. And for like the first five people, I was like, "This always happens." <laughs> and then the, on the sixth person, I turned to my friends. I was like, "This never happens." This, this is the coolest thing. Uh, we were in Toronto when the Raptors won. You weren't there. I was Mark Ellis. I was on my honeymoon. Sorry, I was in Bali when Shout the Raptors out to won. Mark Ellis. Well, it was pretty cool for me. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty dope. Seeing a very organized, calm Armageddon. Brittany Priest says, fun facts you've learned about Eliza. Somebody else had a question like that. Uh, Chelsea, 87, what's something we don't know about Eliza or what's her usual pre-show routine that we don't see on Instagram? As if you're going to just, like, throw me under the bus. I don't know that there's any... Very what you see is what you... Yeah, yeah, you're pretty open. I get grumpy. I, well, just because we don't eat. Yeah, that's a bad Just because we're hungry for dinner at 3 p.m. and everyone's closed. I think there's a mentality that, like, comics are, like, drinking and partying a lot. And that really isn't the case because we're working so hard. So I think just, like, the idea I had in my head or the idea that my parents were scared of when I started stand-up is very different from the pre-show routine of, like, Throat coat tea or let's throw this ginger root in a blender and, you know, like it's yeah. it's, it's work. It's, it's calmed down a lot. Part of yeah. that is being a little bit older. Part of that is also like being in a relationship. Not that when I was single, I was like, who's ready to fuck? Bring them on back. <laughs> Put them on the, on the turnstile, on the conveyor belt. Um, but I would go to like a club or a party and now it's like I remember once I had hurt myself, hurt my back, and I had a Percocet. Was it Percocet? I don't in know. In a hotel with the ice cream? Yeah, uh... I don't think it was. I think it was Valium. Valium? Yeah. That was a great night. I had one. I had one from a friend in my bag, and and Hunter was, I was like, give me your hand. And and I was like, take half of this. He's like, what? I was like, just take it. And then we got Ben and Jerry's at like 7-Eleven, and we sat in the lobby of the hotel. I think we watched like SportsCenter. We watched like six TVs at once. Whatever was on. (laughs) Like one of those big hotel lobbies that just has stuff for people to watch, and we just like chilled out. Just smiled and ate ice cream. You know what was special to me? In... Oh, where were we? It was like a Springfield Inn and Suites, and I remember this because Smokey Husky had to stay in one in Haltom City, and I visited him. Uh, oh, Oklahoma. It was Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you and I got, was it Three Sisters Pizza? 
Yeah. That was incredible pizza if you live in Oklahoma City. And we went back to my room. We both have our own rooms. Yeah. And we sat on the couch and ate ice cream and pizza and just gossiped. I think we both did facial masks, too. Yes. <laughs> and we just, like, talked shit. It was great. It was real special sleepover time. Yeah. But we did not sleep with each other. I mean, next to each other. We have different rooms. That's, like, sometimes, like, my favorite part of being a comic is the dinner afterwards. Yes. Where you're just, like, ping-ponging back and forth with these little digs or just unwinding. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah, one of the best parts about the job, for sure. We each know everything about the other one's marriage. We know everything. Like, there's, you confide in each other. Things that, you know, you just need, like, a buddy to talk to. And we both know the other one's spouse and know how much we love that person. So it's not like if he said anything, I'd be like, well, you got to leave that chick. Like, no, there's a comfort in uh, airing out grievances. Yeah. She's, uh, you're my, like, big sister. So it's, it's, uh. Like, small. Well, yeah. It's so small. <laughs> Still so small. Speaking of your, uh, oh, here's a, oh, mm, Mars underscore needs underscore air. I hate you. <laughs> if you were a tree, which would you be? Oh, what? Mars, what are you, a bridge troll? Yeah. A tree comes question. to a screeching halt in the middle of a fun time. Oh, big redwood or? Yeah. Yeah. A big tree? I like oak trees a lot. They're big and they're sprawling and kids can climb on them. And they're very Americana, mm-hmm. as are you. Hunter's whole family has these, like, strong Americana names like Hunter, Hayden, Bolton, Crapton, Cramden, Ashton, Clapton, Eric Clapton. It's really just Hunter and Ashton. No, your sister has a name like Tragus. Kalen. Kalen. Yeah. <laughs> Hayden. Tragus. They all have these names, these, like, American, these American names. Britt McAllister says... We want to hear the Just for Laugh story. He killed it, I've heard, but maybe wasn't scheduled to perform. I could be wrong. Give us the details. Give us this really old gossip. I um, I want, I still want to do Just for Laughs, even though I've done it. It's uh, Just for Laughs is just this huge comedy festival, and it's a big industry shindig. It's like the Coachella of comedy, I, I think is how I would word it. And you were there as a headliner. And I am used to being your opener, so I asked, do I get to do this date also? And uh, the festival came back with a no. But they, they came back with, uh, there's already lots of comics here, and you can use one of the new faces, and we don't have a budget to, to get them out here and put them up. So all that I heard was they don't want to spend money to get me there. So in my head, I was just like, right away, okay, so if I fly myself there, I could do that, and I, I can, like, sleep on my friend's cot or something. And uh, Eliza and her manager went back with that, and they were like, nope, nope, we still won't give him an artist badge or uh, let him on the festival, but if you want, you can give him your one artist guest pass, and he can enjoy the festival that way, and, you know, we can't stop him from performing. So uh, That's always a good compliment. We can't <laughs> stop you from performing. Right. And uh, Ashton and I had a big family talk because it was, like, now, like, a week before the festival. And it was like, all right, do we want to sink $1,400 to fly me to Montreal to do a 20-minute set, you know? And is this going to be worth it? Um, But we did it, and I performed, and I love Montreal, and I had the most fun. He had a 
phenomenal set. There's a lot of hype around, like, who are the cool kids, what agencies are repping who, and he went unrepresented. And everyone gets, I was a new face, everyone gets, like, seven minutes, and it's high pressure, and you're just trying so hard. And he got to kind of, was it 20 minutes? Yeah. You got a long set, and you killed it. And that's more than most people get at Montreal. And I'll just finish the story because even as you're saying, you're like, I don't want to tell this. And he walked off set and this woman signed him right then and there. And I was like, fucking rights. You guys didn't believe in him, which is like my lot in life. And somebody out there did. And we went to the after party and I paraded him around like my son. And I was like, he just got signed. Where's your fucking client? Oh, you don't have one. We're at like an after party, like blown by some, I think it was funny or died, like put on this big party and like every other comics agents are parading them around around and like pimping them out and Eliza's like got me by the wrist walking me around like she's my agent just introducing me to let people let them fucking know cause everyone from the networks so their people are there and they need to know like oh nobody saw this kid incidentally he and that agent are not together anymore but they had a run and that's not the point the point is you got in the game yeah and I've got a lot of good momentum just and that the whole weekend was a fairy tale some shitty comics some great comics they're being overhyped it's like yeah well he did a tight 20 and what do you have a cracked three? I don't think so. I don't think so. Let's ask some real life questions. Whoa. Jamie Alexandra, 64. Hunter and Eliza, you were both so funny in San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you. My fiance and I had just gotten engaged that week, and your show and your comedy on weddings was spot on on that front. How did you both deal with the drama of people expecting invites? I love your take on this. To your wedding. It's only been a month, and I've had a few people I'm not close to reach out asking random questions about our date that I honestly wouldn't have expected. And my parents' friends, some I haven't met, are expecting invites or fishing for them by sending us lavish gifts. Yes. <laughs> we're hitting capacity, and, we've flat- and we're flattered that people want to be part of our day. Is there any way to let well-meaning people down gently, and how do you decide who to cut? Such a fan of you both. And Emily, too. Oh, she's waiting outside Aww. the window like a hungry Christmas cat. I, uh... I hated that. I hate it. Uh, I guess like what the question? Yeah, no, just that part of it. Uh, Smoky Husky gave me advice, which was, you know, don't like his approach was I don't want to invite anyone or have anyone at the wedding to where at any point if I'm excited and I look to the crowd like I just had my first kiss. I don't want to look to the crowd and like awkwardly make eye contact with someone I don't know. He said, he goes, I was asking about someone. He goes, when you turn around, would you be excited to see that person? Yeah. And I was like, that's great. Versus like, oh, glad you're here. Mm-hmm. And that helps. But that helps. some people have more familial obligations. Yeah, I have a huge, my dad, dad's side of the family is Irish Catholic. I have eight uncles and aunts on that one All side. All named Caden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All M names, Mallory, Mitch, Mike, uh, and... And they all have, like, three or four cousins. So, like, just my dad's side of the family was, like, 64 people. And it was just, like, you don't want to say this, but you're, like, inviting people and then, like, crossing your fingers, like, well, if this family can't come, then I can invite these friends over here. I think uh, I did this tacky thing, and I felt really bad. I invited my stepmom, who I love. I invited her six brothers and sisters, and then it hit me, like, I can't. Because that's a spouse with each. That's 12 people. Yeah. Additional. And I just wrote them a family email, and I was like, I have to retract my invite. You guys have always been so kind to me. You know, and it's fine. I haven't seen many of them in years and years. You, it, If you're the one paying for it, and people don't respect your budget, then they don't love you. That's all they're... It, I understand they want to be invited, but, like, you say you're keeping it small. And also, then truly do. When I got engaged, Eliza like grabbed me, pulled me aside, and was just like, A lot perf- of your stories involve me grabbing you and pulling you. <laughs> You're very aggressive. <laughs> I am. 
come here, come here. Uh, she just was like, just be prepared for people to show you the worst of them. Yes. Like, like, just be ready for people to be complete garbage monsters. Be ready. And and that happened. We had like no call, no shows at the wedding. Uh, but our our venue also had like a very strict cap, so it made it easy to like kind of get it down. You can also say that. Like, you can be honest. And if somebody gives you shit, like, they don't belong in your life. This is your wedding. It's expensive. Say the venue has a cap. Say you're keeping it intimate. Um, And, you know, make a big list. Whittle it down. Most people are relieved to not go. And that's great that they're sending you gifts, but the gifts should be because they care, not because they want to go. I kind of think the wedding is like a a social finish line. Like, how you stop talking to people after you graduate from high school. Mm -hmm. I think the wedding is one of those things. Like, there's just, like, people who just be like, all right, they came to my wedding. I I probably won't see them again. Uh, A thousand percent. I even had certain friends that I invited at the time. I was like, I bet we're not friends much longer. And Not that I don't like some of them, but, like, my friend Alan, love him. Never see him. But at the time, we were talking. Yeah. Uh, one of my bridesmaids shit the bed, got super drunk, and left my wedding. I used to maybe talk about she was the girl in San Diego. Just shit, <laughs> shit the bed, and uh, I'm just like, that's not cool. So people definitely show you a side of them um, that you wouldn't see normally, and then you get like that one aunt that writes you a million dollar check and is like, don't want to come, have a nice life. <laughs> Love so, you so much. You got to put that foot down though. Yeah. It is your money. And nobody actually cares. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, nobody cares. Just blame it on, like, your your Wife. partner's family because they, they don't know. Just yeah. like, oh, so-and-so's family's so big or, We're, oh, you know. It's so bad. We're uh, so, again, how selfish are they for making it about them? Yeah. Uh, anonymous. Would love to get your take on a hypothetical. My husband and I have talked about it. A little backstory. We've been married for 10 years, still very much in love and happy. Before me got together, that's a W— before me got together, and while we were dating, we were both pretty sexually adventurous. But now we're older and have kids, things have gotten a little vanilla. Sex is good, but the advantage is, but I think you meant adventure, is gone. So we've talked about the hypothetical of sleeping with other people to get the excitement back. When we talk about it, we're both really into it, but I feel when the time actually comes, I don't know if either of us could go through with it. Should we pursue this adventure or just keep the fantasy? Come on. I don't know. That's such a personal—I I couldn't. Like, I don't know what kind of maniac you are. I think, like, every guy has a threesome—like, I've had the threesome fantasy, but, like, I think if I was actually put in that position, I'd be like, I don't—I don't—I th- can barely please one woman. What am I going <laughs> to do with two of you? Oh, you your threesome fantasy is not another dude and a girl? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> his Scott. face is going to be too scratchy and he's going to use too much tongue. <laughs> and it won't take no yeah. for an answer. <laughs> Uh, listen to me. And I know people will be like, don't criticize polyamorous love. This will wreck your marriage. It will wreck it. Okay? It'd be one thing if you went into it and you guys were always fucking around and that was your thing. This will, the whole idea of like a hall pass because they made a cute movie. If your husband came back, he's like, yeah, I slept with Lynn from work. She's really cute. You would be wrecked. This will wreck your marriage. Do not do it. Uh, go to a sex store. Watch a hot movie. Yeah. I, I, try I, kissing another couple and see how livid you are. Or try the threesome stuff or, like, try nope. stuff together. I don't know. I, I think doing—having partners outside of each other would just create a lot of trust issues, especially with kids that are involved. Like, sounds... if that person isn't there when you need them as a parent, then it's, it's just going to get sloppy quick, I think. I just—I think you're going to— single white female yourself out of a relationship. I don't like it. I appreciate people who are comfortable enough to do that. I would never be able to. 
Strange underscore behavior. So I think you knew that answer when you wrote it in. I think it'd be interesting if both Hunter and I were like, yeah, fuck around, see what comes back. <laughs> Nothing's against, important. Yeah, throw that juice <laughs> against the wall, see what comes back. Gotcha. Nothing's important. More juice. We're all golden retrievers. Strange underscore behavior. So either of you, have either of you ever dealt with anxiety while flying? If so, how do you calm your worries? It doesn't matter how much I've flown. I can never completely relax while flying. I know it's supposed to be the safest way to travel, but every jolt makes me jump. And I've had too many flights when particularly horrible with particularly horrible turbulence. Any advice on overcoming the irrational fears? I hate flying so much. I didn't even Do tell you, you really? this. Oh my god, I'm so uncomfortable. I have nightmares about it. Because you're uncomfortable. No, I get scared. Like that, that of- seat's gonna be small. <laughs> no, that, oh. I mean that's. <laughs> I, I get anxious that everyone around me is mad at me because I'm so big. Oh my god. Uh, that's a thing. I get scared of turbulence, crashes. When I came back from Wisconsin. Our plane at LAX was about to land. Like, I'm already on my phone texting Ash and, like, yeah. landing now. And right before we hit the ground, our plane turned straight up and full throttle, <sighs> cracked my back. And the pilot was just like, sorry, there was another aircraft in the way that wasn't going to— Like, we were about to crash into another airplane. Do you want to know why? Because hmm. you had your phone on. No. It is proven. Not having it on airplane mode does interfere with I the signal. I was in airplane mode. I was on the the, the plane's Wi-Fi. No. There's no way that ha- their Wi-Fi wasn't disabled that low to the ground. They disable it at, like, 10,000 feet when you're descending. I don't know. I, I don't think it was my phone. It was 100% your fault. <laughs> Just saying. Like, well, you a bunch know. of us almost died to let I Ash guess know that I was scared and didn't know what was happening. I didn't know you had flight anxiety. I Yeah, pretty bad. And we fly almost every week, and I, I feel bad now that I didn't know this. I don't like— I. Well, and it gets better the more we do it. Like, if we're in the middle of, like, a big run, then right. I get a little numb to it. But if we hadn't been out in a while, then the anxiety grows. Yeah, you kind of get it down to a science, and then you, like, I recently had to fly through Toronto, and I was like, fuck, plastic bag, because they have their own thing with their own liquids. Oh, yeah. Damn it. Internationally, you have to put everything into a little bag. So smooth, and then you hit that one airport, and you're like, fuck, that's right, and they're like, take off your shoes, and I'm like, "Ah, TSA, we don't have that here. That's right. Fuck me. (laughs) And then you get all all passive-aggressive. I'm going to end with a question. So this is a personal question. Anonymous says, I've recently been diagnosed with lupus after having pneumonia. I'm curious how your wife handled all the medications, doctors, emotions. It hasn't been easy needing other people. I hope all is well. Uh, first of all, a sincere congratulations on getting diagnosed because that usually takes six to eight years. To, really? Yeah, to get properly diagnosed with lupus. Wow. Is a huge thing because it's such a hard thing to pinpoint. So that is awesome. And it, uh, Ashen's a lot better right now. She, she has, uh, I can't remember it. My brain's, she, she's on a good regimen, but it's, she does get very frustrated. She's like a super strong, uh, person who isn't used to depending on anyone other than herself. And, uh, when the flares hit, you know, it's, it's hard, uh, for her. And I, I guess my job is just sometimes reminding her to listen to her body. You know, if you need a day in bed, you can work from the laptop, but don't don't be running around all over the place. And just be patient. My sister, Kaylin, also has a lupus, and it's a frustrating thing because people just sometimes think you're, like, calling out sick because, like, one day you're perfectly fine. Right. And then the next day it's like, all right, well, did you just get drunk or do you just not want to come to work today? But all in all, you just uh, support groups. Stuff like that has really helped her. Getting more involved with the Lupus Foundation of America has been really cool. And just to, to learn and, yeah, be be, cl- be closer to like-minded and, and people going through the, the similar 
Definitely helpful. Why can't I talk? Because you're nervous. I'm so nervous about lupus. <laughs> it's going to get you. I'm so nervous. Uh, but We're that's really kind of advice. I mean, and that's also, it's nice. Look, look, he doesn't have it and he's supportive of her. I think you'll find that other people are supportive once you open up. I think when people don't know what's going on, then they assume stuff. And I would imagine I don't have a disease like that. But the more open you are about a condition, the more people want to help and be kind. And I will say just because you have lupus and it's such an inconsistent thing and you might feel like a burden on people because you can't really control what's going on with your body. Like you are still this amazing person. Like Ashen, even though she has this amazingly inconsistent (laughs) disease, she is by far the most consistent thing in my life. And there's no reason that you can't be that for everyone else. In there yours. you go. That was nice. Let's close with an opener. <laughs> Hunter underscore Strickland. As an opener, what's the most important thing to know or remember before going out on stage to warm up the crowd? I don't... I, that the wave could crash tomorrow and that you should take every opportunity as seriously as you can. My grandpa wrote me a letter uh, when I was a kid and... Something he said was just always do the work and never boast about it. Let it be discovered. So just just going out there and— He was a Nazi, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hated the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Did all the work. Yeah. But, you know, worked at a bank, provided for the family. Uh, no, uh, he was a good man. <laughs> uh, yeah, just take it seriously. If, if you're opening for someone, it means that person trusts you with their show and their night. And, and if, they're fans. And if they're a headliner, that is not— they, they didn't get to where they are easily, and they're, they're trusting you tremendously. So you need to respect that and don't think you're cool and just, like, post stuff on Instagram and pretend you're a rock star. Like, show up, do the work, and keep pushing yourself. Because if that headliner does like you, you're going to come back to that city in, like, a year, and you're going to need some new jokes. <laughs> Hopefully you'll be back. Hunter, it is my constant pleasure uh, in this lifetime and career to watch Stop you it. get funnier and better and sharper. And uh, I'm a, uh, you know, self-centered person. That's not true. But I, you know, part you have to be selfish to do this job, but I do genuinely enjoy how much my fans love you and getting to turn them on to you. And I love that you're out there on your own now and that they come and see you and that you're getting your own fans, get your own fans, and that you're making your way in the world. And one day you won't need me. You won't need me. Probably one day very soon. But in the meantime, somebody asked what it was like to be Blanche's bodyguard, but I thought that was like too many questions about me. The warmest. The warmest. The warmest. One of my favorite memories was we put her in your jacket one time in Colorado, and we tried to smuggle her (laughs) into a brewery, and they were like, or to like a bakery, and they were like, you have a dog here. And we were like, that's our baby. This is a small baby. (laughs) They were like, that's a dog. We like pulled the hood back. We're just a couple of parents trying to enjoy your craft bruise. (laughs) What happened to my baby? And then you tried to take her out of the jacket and the zipper was stuck and you had to birth her out of the bottom. Yeah. And shaking when when you're shaking your body like that yeah. when you're 300 pounds is never a flattering thing. The Uber driver knows. <laughs> it's all on Instagram, folks. And now it's time for Tappy the Cab. It's the top of the cob. We're doing it right every day. You just take a bite. Tappy the Cab. What's your top of the cob? Top of the cob. Um, I had a family barbecue. And it was great. That's it? Yeah. When was this? When was the last time you got to have just like, okay, more appropriately, I got a day of nothing. Oh, that is nice. And I just got to Be sit in a pool and play with my nephews, and, and, and I got to teach them how to roast marshmallows in my backyard. That is nice. Low-key, no one expects anything. You don't have to put like perform for anyone. You can just be yourself quietly. Yeah, just, just this simple kind of... Uh, 
oh, just this calmness and, and just feeling very aware of how little is going on. It was the best. That's nice. Yeah, it was luxurious. Family affords that, yeah, sometimes. Uh, my top how of the cup. You? What? Well, how about you? What's, what's, your, what's your top of the cup? your family? Uh, <laughs> I just shot some additional scenes for this movie Wonderland. And uh, one of the scenes has us eating lobster, and it's my favorite food. And every time they yell cut, they give me a new lobster. And I was like, no, I'll put the claws back for continuity. They're like, no, here's a new one. So even though the other two actors weren't consuming their lobster, I was like, I'm not going to let this go to waste. And I ate it with like full butter. And I left Boston that day with about four pounds of lobster meat in my stomach. (laughs) And I was so sick. And I didn't feel well, but it was but so, so happy. So happy. <laughs> so I must have thanked the waitresses at the restaurant like 10 times. I came back into the kitchen. I took pictures. I love lobster, and it was the best day. When we did the Chicago. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> we were we were taken out to a, a, a nice dinner, and I, I think Eliza ate like a three-pound lobster. My and agent it. came with a bunch of other agents, and food came to the table, and my lobster came. I go, just so you know, this is not for the table. I ordered this for myself. And I ate it. Because I love it. Time for bottom of the cob. I'll let you finish, so I'll go first. On the set of this other movie I did, I fell in front of everyone. And as an adult, you don't fall very often. I fell, my feet came out from under me. I tripped on a wire. And I fell so hard, it split the skin on my elbow open. And I almost cried because I was so embarrassed. And an elbow injury sucks because no one can see that it's hurt. But you can't lean on anything for like a week. Oh, and it hurt really bad, and I was really embarrassed for myself because it was a funny scene, and I embarrassed myself. Because it happened in front of people. It happened in front of people, and I felt really hard, and I was scared. <laughs> I'm okay now. Now it's your turn. I um, I tried building a deck this week. <laughs> I went to Home Depot, and I bought a saw, and I, I cut some wood, and I finished the floor, and the floor looks great, and then I went to build our steps. Yeah. And I missed the measurement <gasps> for the bottom step by a half inch on one of the sides to where I had to deconstruct the entire staircase yesterday oh night. Oh, my God. Yeah, just like so it looked close. so good. I saw it. It looked beautiful, and I took a picture of it, and it was like, it looks really good. But then when you, like, go to screw everything in, I was uh, I was just a little off, and uh, it, it tortured me. And... Uh, what a metaphor for life. Oh, God. I was so close. And then we're Ugh. just going to start over. Just, That's awful. I'm going to go on this trip, and, like, sometime next month I'll have time to try this again. Do the steps. Oh, well, I'm glad you shared that with me. And I'm glad you share you with everyone. And I don't know why we didn't have you on sooner. Your elbow will get better. It fucking better. Otherwise, I have to go through SAG-AFTRA, talk to a doctor. I'm concerned with how I, I, you bought that T-shirt in Hawaii. Yes, I did. It, it bothers me that I know it. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. It just bothers me that you know that. Yeah, uh, like how how some people like can figure out birthdays and stuff. Don't be bothered by it because I make a very big deal when I have a new T-shirt. I will wear it multiple days and nights in a row. So it's not like I bought it and it was like this clandestine thing. I probably made a really big deal about the fact that I got this sick Billabong shirt. So sick. So fucking sick. That was a great show. Yeah. I mean, some until the security guard tried to fight me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's for another time, folks. Next time. He's Hunter Hill. He's a baby bear. That's me. A gentle giant. Your friend. He's at Hunter says what on Instagram, and you can check out HunterHillComedy.com for his show dates. Check him out in your city. He's going to be headlining some clubs, some theaters. Check him out. Follow him. If you love me, you'll love a large man who travels with me. Yay! I love you. I love you also. 
For the next 15 seconds, picture yourself in a small town. Historic buildings with galleries, restaurants, micro distilleries, forested ridgelines on the horizon, wide alpine meadows, evergreen forests threaded with trails, friendly locals eager to guide you. And if you're not quite ready to leave this fantasy, chances are you're our kind. And you should check out visitparkcity.com right away. Park City, Utah, for the mountain kind. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must-listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.